All right, guys, we are pumped to break down our recent trip to Bandon Dunes. You're going to hear a lot of excitement from us about the experience. Uh, we want to just point out, and I'm kind of noticing as I'm editing it, that this may sound almost like an ad. We had that many good things to say about Bandon, but I promise you this is not sponsored. Uh, this experience actually just really resonated with us and uh, felt it was definitely worthy of discussion. We actually had to break this podcast into two parts because of how much we had to talk about. Uh, first, though, I want to discuss when you are traveling for a golf trip, how important it is to use luggage forward uh, avoid the baggage fees and the pain of ha- like hauling your clubs through the airport in and out of rental cars ubers whatever you're using to get to and from the airport all this stuff adds up luggage forward has 12 years of experience in the business of shipping your golf clubs your skis whatever you need ship they ship to over 200 countries worldwide and they are a cost leader for places like ireland scotland and all over the United States, they offer a full money-back guarantee when you do use them. They will even give you up to $25 towards your next shipment if your clubs are not there on time or don't arrive back home on time. I can't tell you how much less stress uh, or how much stress this takes away from traveling. So use uh, use the promo code NOLAYINGUP. That's NOLAYINGUP with no spaces. We'll give you 10% off your next order. Uh, and again, I, I can't emphasize enough how much stress they take out of my life in traveling. So without further ado, here's our breakdown of our trip out west to Oregon to Bandon Dunes. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. A uh, special episode today. We got Randy here, we got DJ here, we got Tron here. Neil's here in spirit. Uh, We are going to break down our recent trip to Bandon Dunes. I'm sure you saw a plethora of material on social media from us. Uh, probably to the nauseating level, I would say. We maybe contain ourselves pretty well. Yeah, I'm, Tron's still there, I think, mentally. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he looks like a ghost of him, of himself having to be back here in Jacksonville. I haven't checked Twitter in like six days. Time is standing still. It is. I'm, just, I'm still recovering. One of the afternoons, Tron called literally one of the best days of his life. <laughs> And he didn't like clarify with like his son, the day his son was born or anything. One like of, one of, one of. Okay, but it was on the same level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to break down the trip. We are not going to make this a shot by shot breakdown. I know some people are not the biggest fans of the travel episodes, but. Uh, Bandon is often a topic of conversation. Uh, there's a ton of people listening to this that have probably been to Bandon, a lot listening that either have a trip planned or have a goal of making it out there. So uh, we just want to talk about what the experience was like. I think um, this was my second trip. DJ, this was your second trip. Uh, it was everyone else's first, but I can say, I don't know about you, DJ, that uh, ne- neither you or I had experienced Bandon in this way before, I don't think. Yeah, we had a little bit of everything. I mean, it was kind of... Um I don't know. It almost felt Westworldy a little bit, like someone was controlling things to make it a little too perfect for us. But uh, the first time I was there, I was there with a big group, and we had probably, I mean, thirty-five to forty mile an hour winds for three straight days, thirty-six a day, and got got beat up pretty bad. And uh, it was really fun, and and I actually like had a really good time doing that. But what we were missing was, you know playing it the way it's actually supposed to be played. Uh, and so I was looking at the forecast and I was a little bummed when we were, you know, it didn't look like we were going to catch any wind. Um, Sunday we got there. It was that same kind of 30 mile an hour uh, gusting even harder, balls rolling on the greens, 
all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the rest was just postcard. I mean, it like cloudless one day, the fog would roll in for a little while. It's sunny. We're wearing shorts and t-shirts for, you know, for part of it. And then, you know, it'd be nice and cool in the morning. I mean, the whole thing was, was just drawn up like pretty perfectly. The nicest days of the year, I believe was, was what all the people kept saying. I didn't know it could be that good in April, but Tron, Randy, I want to know, I want to throw it to you guys for like, what were you guys expecting going into it and how did things maybe differ from that expectation? So my, my expectations were obviously high. You know, you you hear nothing but good things about the place. For me personally, though, I I made a point to not really do a ton of research on the courses and the resort because I thank you for your service there. Yeah. Well, I I, kind of wanted to see the place with fresh eyes a little bit and, and to experience it just with an open mind with with as little preconceived notion or or bias as possible um but but of course fully expecting it to be awesome um i I think you know we'll get into a lot of the specifics but i think the thing that stood out to me the most was the resort was really cool in that you know i was kind of expecting one clubhouse kind of one point from which all these courses emanate from and instead, it's, you know, of course, you have the main lodge, but, but then you have the, the, the golf shops, you know, the Pacific Dunes golf shop with a little restaurant over there. And the old Mac has a has a cool little golf shop and, and little restaurant um, over where it goes out from. And so while it's all banned and you, you got a kind of a little bit of a different sense at, at each of these places, not only in terms of you know, the golf and, and the courses and whatnot, but even like the food, the, the menus varied just a little bit. And so it was cool kind of being in one place, but but getting this different feel um, at, at the different courses. Same goes for the golf courses too, right? Yeah, Isn't and the, the courses themselves are, are all, they, they all have their own unique flair and, and personality. And I think we'll get into that Todd, is that, you know, I'm curious yeah. to hear. Yeah, I, I kind of tried to take a similar tack. Like, I feel like I've, I've seen so much, so many pictures from there, but I never really was able to put any of them in context. Like, it's, it's not something that I think can be, or it's very difficult to adequately represent, like, what the experience is out there through, you know, just a, you know, a picture or a video or anything like that. And I feel like it was kind of, it was a hole in my perspective or in my reference. Like, I didn't have a reference point for Bandon. So we were down at Barnboogle. In November, and everybody kept talking about, oh, this is this is like banned in a little bit, and I'm like, well, shit, I don't, you know, I don't have that reference point. So, you know, came at it from a similar point as as Randy, just high expectations, but not really specific expectations, just knowing that it's gonna be really good, but but not really knowing why or how. Well, that's what you touched on something I think is really interesting, which is like the experience of going there, and and I was always in the same boat before I got there too, which was. You know, you look at these photos and, you know, they're, they're seaside golf holes. And, I mean, they're obviously incredible. And, and this is not meant to, like, to demean them at all. But, I mean, you see kind of seaside golf holes all over the world. And what you can't figure out is just what it feels like to actually be there. And part of that is the travel of getting there. I mean, it's it's isolated in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know. And you, you feel like you're isolated at this resort, but in a good way. You don't really feel like you have typical resort, like, island fever 
sort of thing. Um, you're just you don't care if your phone is on or your phone is in the hotel or you don't have to drive anywhere because there's shuttles. I mean, it's, you're just kind of like at peace the whole week is is kind of how I always feel. And that's like you said, it's really hard to come through in a like I've, photo. I've legitimately, and I, I've PTBD. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I legitimately have struggled to convey the experience to my wife and like I've, I've been walking around in a daze the last four or five days since we've been back and, and it should really... be noted that he still has his band dude's bucket hat on this <laughs> podcast um no but i think too it's it's really you know like the whole i guess not having been there i was i was always like man this place is going to be overhyped or like you hear so much about it and yeah. you know and i was just kind of like man these guys are kind of cheese dicks who just keep <laughs> You know, right. you just keep like it's like no way it could ever live so up hard. To, yeah, and it and it did. Yeah, so I guess that's what we'll get into now. You ever why. go? Yeah, you ever go back to somewhere that you remember from many years ago, and you go back to it. You remember it really well, and you go back, and everything's smaller. Everything just kind of mm. doesn't built like seem as big in your head as it as it once was. I, I was afraid of that going into it. I thought, you know, like. Now that I've seen a bunch of courses in the UK and stuff, I thought Bandon might seem a little. Maybe it doesn't hold up. Not even close. Like I, I, I enjoyed it more this time around. I had more appreciation for it. Kind of uncovering now, now that we know a little bit more about golf course architecture, how golf courses are run, and just understanding that. I just think it's so unique that we're so lucky and fortunate that Mike Kaiser had this vision to build this, and that David McClay kid crushed that first course. If he doesn't crush the first one, the second one doesn't happen, and there, there isn't this like mythical golf like resort heaven where you can go play four very unique golf courses and it's public and it's affordable like it, it could it, a lot of the best courses in america are not public golf courses and are hard to get access to and if they are tpc sawgrass is like 450 around right now like pebble beach is 550 around these courses like in april i think it's 175 dollars per round for your first round and then it's 90 for your second round so you get two world-class golf courses in one day for less than it costs to play like Kiowa or any of these other, you know, public highly renowned golf courses. And I don't know, like you alluded to the kind of remote nature of it and it is tough to get there, but I th- once you're there, that's part of the appeal, you know, totally. like it's the only, the hardest of the hardcore golf fans are there and you just have this common bond and kind if of, it was that- easy to get to, it wouldn't. Right, yeah. wouldn't have that. Same yeah, mistake. no, I totally, totally agree. And it's you have that, you know, there's a kind of a bar, like a true clubhouse atmosphere of a kind of a private club that you all belong to. You know what I mean? I mean, you got you just have a common bond with everybody that's there, and you, everybody talks about what course you played so far. What'd you think? Oh, the conditioning of this one's blah blah blah, and all that. So it's weird feeling kind of just innate. Uh, like wholesale trust of everybody at this resort that you've never met. I mean, how many, how often do we just just leave your golf bags? I got my wallet. Oh, yeah. I got my phone. It's just oh yeah, I don't know. Whatever, it's fine. Where where are you taking this? Yeah, I'm sure it's cool. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Everybody here is cool, I assume. Take which care they of were. Um, but no, I think you know we talk. Uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast. Most of the travel episodes have been in some capacity about Lynx Golf, and you know touring around the UK and Ireland showed me what just a such a more interesting style of golf playing along the ground playing with the wind and throwing your yardage book out and not caring if you have to hit a four iron from a hundred yards maybe if you want to get one under the wind and i i, I just it, this is the only place i've played in the states and maybe the only one that exists in the u.s that plays similarly from a turf standpoint from like an overall wind wind condition firmness of the greens and everything from from tee to green plays the most interesting style of golf and the most fun style of golf I've ever played. And I think that's one important distinction that sometimes I think people can get carried away a little bit with, you know, what, you know, why doesn't everywhere do this or what, you know, at Bandon they do this. And it's like, well, 
like it's a unicorn out yeah. there. I mean, it's like the land is perfect. The, the development, the owners, the you know, the property management grew. All that stuff is like that just doesn't happen in other spots. And so it's it's hard to you got to almost take away the little things like the you know the restaurants and and stuff like that, Randy, that you were talking about, and like little things like that that you can replicate replicate from Bannon, but you got to just understand that like you know short of having like a sandy seaside yeah you know the public <laughs> golf experience like you know it's really hard to recreate that which is what makes it so cool and the the steps they've made you know Bandon being first then came pacific dunes the third golf course and we're going to break down the golf course in detail is completely different than both of those and then the fourth golf course is completely different than the three before it the fact that they've added so much variety over the years and only and i'm excited to see what the future of it's i have no idea what what they have what future plans they have but I mean, any excuse we can get to come back. Hope they build another golf course so we can go back. We may just, we're probably going to go back anyways, it sounds like. Shit, we're going back in like October. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, they'll, if they'll have us, we will be back. Oh my gosh. Um, so we, we touched on it a bit. I want to kind of quickly break down the ways there are to get there. So we're coming from Jack's. It was only one connection for us. We flew Denver to Eugene. It's and tough to get to the West Coast from Jacksonville. Basically, Denver is the farthest west you can get on a direct flight out of jacks and then so you either have to connect in houston chicago charlotte and then fly into portland or so the jacks to eugene thing was kind of a it was fun i mean it cool ended up working wrinkle. out it was a close yeah. call it was close we were running we were doing the home alone run through the airport yeah. a little bit uh we had a little flight delay you know i'm sure everybody wants to hear about the flight delay yeah, so, yeah. so here's what happened so we we're uh how dare they we uh but you know it worked out okay we got to have a couple Couple pops at the PG Tour Grill. That's true. Uh, we were we living live, yeah, way under yeah, par. We were, were taking it way deep. Um, but the you know flying into Eugene, it's it's two and a half hours from Bandon. But the appeal of that is the drive from Eugene to Bandon is spectacular. Yeah. It's it's on. Like, I would prefer it as to flying to North Bend. I, think. <laughs> I think the part of the appeal too was the chowder at McMenamin's. Or yeah. Oh God, how good was that? Yeah. We, Randy and I went back to McMenamin's in Eugene. <laughs> Shout out to McMenamin's in Eugene. <laughs> Uh, but the drive through the through the forest and along the river down down the coast, it's it's you know it, get in, it gives you perspective into how far away from big cities you are and all that. And you can also fly to Portland. I mean, as we were get delayed, we're looking into like, can we get to Portland? You can drive. I think it's like four and a half hours. Maybe from we were looking at like, all right, can we fly into Boise? Can we fly in like <laughs> yeah. Seattle? We had can the we, whole pack Northwest. Can we fly to Reno and drive ten hours? Like we're like, how are we gonna get there and? Still have golf to play on Sunday, basically. Yeah. Well, and that's so I, I found myself feeling very stupid once I like put it in perspective. So I'm like, God, like we have to get there tonight. Like, what well, or what? You know, or we'll miss around. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many are you playing? I don't know, seven. <laughs> there was one, but point we can't miss one. The gate or the uh, the yeah, ticket counter agent was like, All right, you can fly to Dulles. And then like Dulles to Seattle, Seattle to yeah. Portland, and get and get there like, you know, two hours before you would otherwise on that next flight to Eugene. We're like, all right, cool. Like maybe that's worth it. It's gonna get us another nine holes, man. Yeah. Uh, there's sick. also you could fly to North Bend. North Bend does not is 30 minutes from Bend and it doesn't fly to a lot of places. But in the summer, it's mostly San Francisco, right? It's San Francisco, but in the summer there is a Denver to North Bend flight. So I think starting in June yeah. they run that flight. It is the abandoned flight essentially. Right. So. Uh, it, it, they've made it, you know, it's part of, you know, we, Tron bought the dream golf book, the book about Bannon Dunes and the, in it, they talk about the inherent challenges of it and it not being near a population center or near an airport. was like, 
Okay, is this thing really going to work? Like a very serious question. Well, and I know we've, we've talked about this with regards to Kaiser before, especially with, you know, stream song and barn boogle and, and that kind of stuff. But imagine the balls it takes to, to just, I mean, plant your flag and like try to make something like this work or the vision it takes and all this. I mean, it, you can't like commend those guys enough that, that actually had made this thing happen because it would be, if you were an investor or, or whatever, and you're reading things about golf, you're reading things about, you know, oh, rounds are down and resort spending is down, all this stuff. Like making this thing happen where it is is it seems impossible to me. And, it's crazy. And not only is it important for golfers to go visit it for the fun factor, it's important for kind of golf history in the way things are going, honestly. If like we said, if McClay Kid doesn't crush Bandon Dunes, the second course doesn't get built, there's not four courses there. Sand Valley probably doesn't happen. And then I don't know, does Stream Song happen? Like the the the, the effect that this has had on Downstream. I don't think there's any way in hell streams on that. Right. Well, and like, I think I think Andy's talked about this a lot too, Andy Johnson. But a lot of it even goes back one step further to Sand Hills, Hills, where Kaiser was a member, also, and you know, just him seeing, okay, this can work in the United States, and you know, people don't need to have it doesn't need to be, you know, a TPC perfectly manicured with scissors kind of golf course. Right. And people are okay with that. Um, you know, that might even be the starting point. And I think, but you touched on it too, like with all of the the bad trends in golf and the the balls it takes to build it, like this is bucking that trend and is a good trend towards golf, right? It's not excessive. The clubhouse is not massive. Things aren't overpriced within it. We're going to get into kind of the total atmosphere here, but this is something in golf that is worth celebrating. Not only is it the most enjoyable experience you can have, but it's, we want to emphasize it because of how important it is. Uh, You know, as first critical as we are of so many things, this is kind of, this is something in golf that is totally worth celebrating. A quick break to remind you guys that summer is just around the corner. This means you're going to be doing hopefully a lot more traveling. Hopefully that means more golf trips, vacations, summer camp, uh, whatever you whatever you do with your free time in the summer. Uh, nothing is worse than heading out on a trip and realizing you forgot something important. So make sure you switch to an OGO bag. We are all using the OGO Mutant Travel Bag. I can't emphasize enough how much stuff you can fit in these things. Uh, all of the OGO Travel Bags come with a uh, their signature thoughtful organization so that you'll have a place to put your most important things. There's smart features such as separated pockets for dirty clothes, dedicated place for your shoes, and it just makes your life easier when you get home. Be sure to make the most of your time off this summer. Upgrade to OGO and special for listeners of this podcast. Celebrate back to summer but with OGO by saving 25% on all travel bags on OGO.com with promo code NLU. OGO, the world's best bags. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, let's get, we're going to do our ranking of the courses. We're going to highlight some of our favorite holes. We're, but for, I want to emphasize how torturous of a process that was and how back and forth. It, it sucks to rate one of these courses fourth. It honestly does because they're all world class. And I think we're all going to have very different ratings. But I want to first find rating one of them. <laughs> I want to get into, uh, I want to get first talk a bit about, you know, one of the biggest takeaways we have and things we talk about the most amongst ourselves, even more than the golf courses, is just kind of the whole atmosphere of the, of the entire place. So for, for those that may, you know, try to describe this to somebody that hasn't been there, what you guys felt like you got treatment from the staff and what, how that really added to your experience. I'll start. I thought the staff was awesome. I thought that the best way I can kind of liken it, the, the whole atmosphere is kind of like a ski town mentality. Um, where life is certainly not moving fast. And I think everybody who's there is genuinely happy to be there. And I think that shows in their interactions with people. Um, And I guess if that's not true, they do a hell of a job of faking it. (laughs) But I I think, you know, Neil, 
Neil said it best, and it was kind of like going to adult summer camp <laughs> in that you're just out there and you can kind of do what you want and have fun. I think what I was most amazed with was for being such a highly regarded resort, there was just a real lack of pretension uh, kind of among the staff. And you never, I never felt like, you know, you're kind of walking on eggshells or you're scared to kind of do or say the wrong thing. Um, and that's just, it's it was very relaxing. And I think it kind of just puts you at ease. And then the staff, you know, they're they're incredible. Like the starters every morning, they they are engaging. They're funny. They're they're just they they just make you feel at home, and and they give you the sense like, hey, we're we're really excited to be here, and we want to share it with you. Um, and, and that's I could have talked to the starters every morning. Yeah, for like an hour. There. <laughs> I mean, even our guy, I think Mark at the preserve, the the very first time we rolled, like it was it was just awesome. Um, but at the same time, not trying to kiss your ass. No, it's, it's difference. that very fine line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's, kind of, that's an important distinction. Is like, to me, true like, luxury isn't gold-plated everything or people trying to kiss your ass. It's like authenticity and anticipatory service and just... Yeah, nothing's excessive about it. Kind of what you said about sharing. Like, they're excited to share this with you. Right. And they're excited for you to see what it's all about, you know, because they know already. Right. Like, hey, this is, you know, I love being here. There's a reason a lot of those people are there like our caddy squid like he he went there for the first time and he was like well shit i'm gonna, I'm gonna move here i'm gonna work here like i want to spend my life here yeah and they aren't there to gouge you like it's you know when you're done with your round if you want a ten dollar sandwich it's there if you want fine dining they also have that there if you want you know they got an irish bar and restaurant they got this asian theme going over at Bandon dunes and like nothing about it was excessive um and just yeah and golf trips inherently are expensive but i don't think there's anything about abandoned dunes that i looked at was like wow that's expensive and, and even the the lodging where where we were it, it's very nice but but again it's like it, it just fits the property you don't feel it, it's not I'm, I'm trying to think how to say this because I, I it is a compliment it, it's not like todd said it's it's, it's not gold-plated like I, I think it would be weird if it was just overly luxurious kind of out in the the, the dunes of Western Oregon. Um, so it, you it's kind of them. understated and muted, but but just really nice. Like there was, like I mean, I think other than showering and sleeping, I think we spent probably twenty minutes. Yeah, over three or I mean, there's no reason there. to be in there. So but from like, there, the water pressure I, was good. Yeah, the beds were comfortable. Right, like they got the they got the right details right, right. and everything comes back to just golf. Yeah, you know, like that's the centerpiece of the whole resort, and there's nothing. There's nothing there that's trying to detract from why you're there in the first place. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I, I think that hopefully that kind of summarizes you know, the overall feeling of being there and how that really adds to the trip. And here we are. I don't know how many minutes into the pod. We haven't we even started talking about the golf courses <laughs> yet. So that's kind of how much the whole experience resonates. The golf with. courses are going to be in parts seven, seven. through nine <laughs> of this podcast. Um, so we had five of us. So we kind of couldn't – we wanted to play a game throughout the week, and we wanted to you – know, we couldn't really play Wolfhammer. So um, – we designed. We made our own stable for game, and it was it was really fun. Shockingly, would, worked out would great. recommend. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll give you the brief. The brief summary is it was uh, eight points for an eagle, 
Uh, four points for a birdie, two for a par, zero for bogey, and minus two for a double bogey. Net, all net. Um, what made it interesting was we added in the concept of a multiplier. <laughs> NBA Jam, yeah, rally inspired, scoring. Yes. Uh, rally scoring. Yeah. So if you make a birdie or a net birdie, your next hole is worth double. So if you make a par, that's now worth four instead of two. And if you make another net birdie, your next hole is worth three X. Or if you make an eagle, like that doubles it up. That makes it, you know, if you make one eagle, that makes it the next hole worth three X instead of two X. And Neil got all the way up to seven X. I think it's no uh, no surprise that he ended up winning the stable first. It was like watching, at the end, it was like watching Tiger at Pebble in yeah. 2000. He made just, like a, we're, all, we're all just waiting to watch history. He made an eagle, net double eagle, um, it, which was already three times. Like, I think I lost. He, he, he didn't even have to finish the final round and won, uh, beat us pretty badly in Stableford. But if you're looking for a fun like variation of Stableford or some fun game throughout the course of the week, yeah, highly the multiplier recommend it. was great. The only thing I think that we all kind of took away is that in order to kind of crush the runaway victory, you need to have a multiplier, a negative multiplier yeah. as well. Some, some so big downside. You need track. to have some big yeah. downside. Because, yeah. yeah, you did have the multiplier. Because Neil did have, he had a couple like 4X, and then all of a sudden he's standing with like a short-sided chip, and he chunks it into the bunker because he's thinking about the 4X double. <laughs> uh, and you lose 10 points. But lose, there was no yeah. way he could come. He can no. come back well, to the field. I think his game was particularly well suited to, yeah. for stable for That's modified true. stable yeah. for scoring. And his his cap is officially in question as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Ten handicap I've, out there shooting seventy sixes. Yeah. <laughs> Flag for for uh, for for review. Um, all right, so we're going to talk some about obviously in pretty good detail here about the golf courses, but I kind of wanted to start by just describing what makes what I think makes a golf course fun. I kind of want to hear from you guys as to what what how you describe a fun golf course because. Some of the comparisons I made earlier to TPC and Pebble Beach and something like Kiowa, people have maybe have a hard time distinguishing just like really good views on a golf course versus like what really made it fun. Um, I think that Bandon has and all the courses really have, there have the, have the concept of the views. Yet at the same time, you can always find your golf ball. The amount of golf balls that we that we played with on this trip, I think I, I brought a couple extra dozen and didn't even crack into them over there. Giving the feeling that you have to take like a free swing at it, yet incorporating strategy and decision making, not caring if you got to hit a three wood from 160 or a three iron from 300 yards. Like I played at stadium a week before this trip, like from the tips and didn't have like a fraction of the enjoyment that I had at any single one round at Bandon. I, I think those are the types of golf courses that need to be celebrated. And I think it needs to kind of be like highlighted that that is kind of what sticks out to me and how fun they are was going and finding your golf ball and almost always being in play. Yeah, I totally agree. I think something too is is you know if you're a twenty handicap, you can go and for the most part, you know, if, if you get on, on trails and get a little sideways, like that gets tough. Or I could see how pack dunes would would get a little bit tough. But like Bandon and even Old Mac, like you, you know, it's it's probably just as enjoyable for a twenty handicap as it is for the two handicap. Well, the thing that I think um, I don't know the, the there's a long answer to your question probably, but the the thing that makes it most fun for me, and I think Trails and Pacific Dunes do the best job of this, is that they just give you, um, like, they give you enough rope to hang yourself, basically. And if you want to go out, and Man, you that, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you want to go out and you want to play ultra conservatively, and you want to play to the fat parts of every fairway and the fat parts of every green, you can probably go out and shoot a number that you're gonna be pretty happy with and you're going to go sit in the clubhouse and have a beer and it'll be fine but they know like the the designers of all these courses inherently know that you don't want to do that and they make the risky shots so appealing 
that you can't resist and then you just find yourself in these horrible spots mm. and it's completely your own fault. And as soon as you know, you knew it going in and you knew it going in, but you did it anyways. And like that, I don't know, that is weird maybe, but that to me is really fun. I think that's, I think that's as good as it gets. And, and I think that, you know, all of us probably went through when we played, I don't know how many 150 some holes, uh, over three days, four days. Uh, and so all of us, I think kind of went through stretches where we were playing that first kind of golf and you're like, Oh wow. Like, I can, you know, I can't make a bogey right now. Like, <laughs> you can I'm, throttle it up. Yeah, and, and then as soon as you're like, okay, yeah, now I'm hitting yeah. it so good, I'm gonna go for this shot, and then you, boom, deject. Yeah, uh, I was I was talking some with Dave McClay kid, no big deal. Uh, before uh, before we went out, and and I was I I and we'll get to this. I I still think I put Bannon Dunes first, and I shot my two highest scores of the week at Bannon, <laughs> and I told him that. And he said, what he said was like, it seems like the most gettable. He's like, his read is, it seems like the most gettable and it leads to overly aggressive play and then you pay for it. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the perspective I got. I mean, yeah, like you said, as soon as we started posting a couple good numbers, like, all right, boom, exactly. let's get out and get it. Boom, 45 on the next nine. I think I shot, we, we played uh, Old Mac one morning and I shot the lowest nine I've ever played. No big deal. Uh, I shot two under on the back at Old Mac and then I shot 49 yeah. at Pacific Tunes. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's do the. We started. We got there Sunday, and the first stop we made was at uh, Bannon Preserve. For those who don't know, Bannon Preserve is a 13-hole par three course. It is the same clubhouse as Bannon Trails. It was designed by Core Crenshaw, as was Bannon Trails. Kind of a good warm up to the trip. Um, I think maybe the perfect warm up to the trip. It might be the bookend. We bookended yeah. it. We, we yeah. played in the very beginning, at the very end. Uh, Randy, what did you? Th- what was your opinion of uh, of Preserve? Yeah, it, it was great starter. Uh, you know, you get out there with get to hit some wedge shots i thought you know it's sneaky sneakily has some of the best views on property um it's just a would you say low-key you know low-key yeah maybe not even low-key i mean it's (laughs) regular key it's yeah it's it's great um so we played it twice the first time we played it we had our you know we, we we had our bags we had you know carrying push carting and I think the biggest thing for me was uh, the second time we played it at the very end, we just took two clubs. And, and you know, thinking back, I, I think I had more fun just with two clubs. And I, the, the reason is you, you just – it forces you to kind of get creative, try to hit different shots. So I don't know. I, I think I'd, I'd be curious what you guys think. But I, I almost think the way to go is, hey, just, just grab, you know, two or three clubs – walk and just have a good time enjoy the views and just really get creative and, and have fun out there I, I think that for me is the best way to to approach the preserve and i think that sets you up well for the rest of the trip too you know i mean that's that's essentially what kind of helps you get in the it's mindset essentially what yeah. you're doing on a lot of a lot of the other and i don't know maybe this is just like the way that i play and i'm not good enough so i think i just create overly you know aggressive challenges to give myself a built-in excuse but like there were not very many shots where i was like okay it's 140 uh, I guess I'll just hit it, my 140 club, you know, full on. And I mean, you're you, the whole time you're you're thinking about which slopes you're using, how high are you trying to hit it, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So the preserve is a great warm up for that. I thought the preserve too was the first day when we got there. It was windy. It's yeah, it was just, whipping. Some of those yeah, holes were like yeah. Some of those part three holes were almost Whoa. part fours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, and, and then you know, like I think probably one of the toughest holes out there is that little 50 or 60 yard. <laughs> The Dell, little Dell punch bowl thing. It's cool, you know. Yeah, it is such a. It's a. It's a great kind of glance into what 
golf doesn't have to be 18 holes, par fours, par fives, par threes. That's what I love. Was the 13 holes was like, why is it 13 holes? I don't know. That's just you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's what we. Because why not? Like that's you know that's what we had money for, or land for, or whatever. It was so. like a barn boogle, and yeah, when they were like, "Well, there's 20 good holes out here," and he's like, "We'll just build 20." Yeah, I don't think any of us walked off. And we're like, "God damn, I wish that was really fun." But like, it was four holes. It's too just many. not an official round. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's you, you know you lim- obviously eliminate drivers, so you it's the, the benefits. The most fun shots in golf are approach shots. I think so. You're essentially playing from the middle of the fairway. You can choose your tees. You don't have to set. You don't have to play the same set of tees throughout. Like, hey, do you guys want to play this back? Yeah, you you want to play like it? an eightsome if you yeah. want. You want to play it all the way up if you want. Hit little fifty-yard fillet nine irons in there, and like it, that's I don't know. It gives you it's full-size greens, full-size slopes, and every other aspect you would want of like an of an approach shot. It's not a it's not a mini course. It's not a pitch and putt. Like it's 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 full. You know, you're hitting some sometimes eight irons, seven irons into some of them, but. Um, I don't know. It's a great, great warm up into kind of flighting the ball under the wind and learning to use the wind and the slopes and all that. So, and it's like a, perfect for like the emergency. Like, you know, what? thirty six holes wasn't quite enough today. Let's go squeeze, see yeah. if we can squeeze off the preserve. They don't close it until thirty minutes after the last group has finished on any course. So they keep it open. Like and people play like into into the sunset, pretty much. Just a good like uh, bet settler, also. Yeah, you know, if you had like just a fun. It's like having a giant buy hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, so after that, we went to our afternoon tea time at Bannon Dunes. You mentioned we had about 30-mile-an-hour sustained winds, 40-mile-an-hour gusts. Uh, that's the top five windiest round I've ever played in, but that's part of the experience, and I don't think any of us were kind of lamenting it. It was kind of like, all right, this is this is what you sign up for when you come to Bannon. It almost, the wind, it, it was just relentless. There were a couple <laughs> times I, I just wanted to, like, crawl under inside a dune and just like just take a break get it out of my ears for a couple minutes <laughs> yeah it for sure i'm with you it was it was certainly Mental probably midget over here. the windiest round i played but but I, it was actually like all things considered it was the best round i played all week i i loved i'm so glad we started at bandon too i i think that was the course to really i mean we went around the preserve but I think, you know, uh, Bandon just gives you – it's just a great kind of uh, – Intro. Intro, yeah. You, you just kind of get the full effect a little bit. When you when you make the turn from you know, one, two, and three, it kind of eases you in, and then you make the turn on the second shot down to the ocean on mm-hmm. four. It's this dog leg down to the ocean. It kind of wiggles down there, and you're just like – whoa all right yeah we're here that's your intro yeah that 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 tee shot on four is kind of you know we got a huge downwind on it and you got goes down through these dunes you don't see the green at all you can see where the ocean is and then it turns and you are facing the ocean and the green looks like an infinity pool up against the cliff you don't realize how i how high up you are yet until you get out to that cliff uh but i i like doing it that way too with bandon being the first course built there that kind of Playing, we almost kind of. I think we actually did play them in order of when they were built. That too. Yeah, I wonder if they did <laughs> yeah. that purpose. Yeah, yeah, they might have done that. Um, but yeah, you get your intro to the ocean is this kind of eureka wow moment of seeing mm-hmm. it. And I think uh, somewhere in that in that dream golf book, at, at you know Kaiser or McClay Kid talks about the effect of building a hole at the ocean, or building the hole at your view to hit people in the face with it instead of. That's a, a difference I noticed. But at Bandon Dunes is there's a couple more holes that play right at it compared to like Pacific Dunes. Pacific yeah, Dunes point. utilizes the, the coastlines to, for great holes alongside of it, but that, that effect, and we'll get to that 12th hole too, is a par three that plays right at the ocean. Um, but, you know, they designed it with this prevailing wind that kind of comes from the right or from the north, and 
you know, they have these mounds that you can use with the wind to shape balls back to the pin. And that, that, that stretch, and we're going to get to our favorite stretches, is kind of kicks off my, my favorite stretch on the property, I think. so. Yeah, and I, I should have started at the top. This was really my first Lynx experience, whereas you guys, obviously, Australia and Sally, I know you spent a lot of time over in Ireland, Scotland. Um, this was my first true Lynx experience. And, and so even the like you just said, the microcosm of, of banding kind of building up to that fourth hole. It, it was like that for me, but on this grander scale where, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is, this is so cool. Like, you know, you get the mounding and, and the bunkering and then, you know, you come to the fourth hole and you see the ocean. It's like just kind overload. Of a, a, an overload of the senses. Yeah, it, it was. And, and to, to play it in that type of wind, you know, we, we really didn't get the the rain, and I, I think I'm fine without that for now. But but having that wind really whip, it, it was like, man, this is this is kind of what it's all about, isn't it? And then the gorse was blooming. Oh, oh God. Oh. <laughs> so there's, ye- there's pops of yellow. Like the just... most vibrant yellow. I think, I don't know, we got really fortunate with weather. I think it's emphasized that. But April might be the play, or kind of like spring might be the play. It's yeah, less it's busy. It's shoulder season, too, yeah, right? It's, like it's, 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 yeah. prices are lower it's yeah it's not quite the you know i don't know you're going to get un- unpredictable the days are weather still long enough. yeah all plenty long yeah. enough i mean sunsets were after 8 p.m um but we te- I, I i there's not like a 6600 yard option they make you play the tips which are like 7k or 6300 from the greens we went 6300 and we never went back it was like not even you don't even think about it yardage books get thrown out when you're, it's that windy but how much fun was golf to play from kind of shorter than what we usually play it at? Yeah, and I was kind of surprised. I think maybe Tron and I were talking about this that I still had a ton of like four and five irons into greens from sixty two hundred yards. Oh which yeah, is, which was kind of a nice, fun change of pace too. So yeah, I mean, it's also mm-hmm. it's it's obviously built for the wind and built for you know it's it's sixty two hundred yards you know kind of by design. But and there's long holes and there's short holes. There's not yeah like, exactly. You know, and you're either I don't think you know a lot of the time when you play. Of course, three or four hundred yards, maybe too short for your like ability or distance. You're you're always having these awkward wedges in your hands and stuff like that. I really didn't feel like that was the case there. And and even if you do have that awkward distance, you can putt it. You can right. bump a seven iron. You can do so many different things with it. I did think that the some of the bunkering was was pretty awesome from sixty two hundred yards. In that, I mean, Solly is you know far and away the longest player in our group and there were a couple pop bunkers and stuff that i mean just never even registered with us off the tee and you get up there and he's like fuck am i i better not be in that pop bunker you know <laughs> and like, there are just a lot of like nice little punches back to uh to the really long player even on a short yardage and but it, it was fun too to we got two looks at, at these at these courses for everyone but old mcdonald and some days that that there's a certain bunker that's in play that's yeah. 340 out and then there's the next day was like okay it's 210 to get over that bunker <laughs> right. that might be an issue i mean that's kind of where you know you look you can play the course in one wind and look and be like what is it, what's the purpose of these bunkers here what's going on here i don't understand this and then you play it in the next one you're like that's why that's exactly why and that's what i don't know it's so hard to design courses i would imagine so hard to design courses to play in two drastically different winds and and all of these courses do i mean there's a winter prevailing wind a summer prevailing wind but i feel like you could play that you know we kind of got to look at them with different winds and they, they you feel like you're playing a different golf course but neither one feels less or more fair like it feels like it it was it was designed with the idea in mind that hey we got to deal with both these conditions and then one day we had kind of a slack like weird wind that was kind of transitioning between those two, you know, a north wind and a south wind, and it was kind of coming straight off the coast. And that was, you know, they were like, we we maybe get this 
four or five times a year. Um, I actually, like Bandon Dunes, I think I liked it. I thought, like, I was so pumped to play the second round there, and I liked it less the second time around. I agree with you. I think, uh, spoiler alert, um, I think this was, I think I would rank it fourth. I, I think we need to preface all of this, of course, with, like, it's still one of the greatest golf courses I've ever played in my life. Uh, and <laughs> I, ranking, the I whole, love, I love all my children. Yeah, the whole ranking ways. thing is like kind of pretty inherently flawed since they're all really good. But if you had to, if I had to put one fourth, I think I'd, I'd put it fourth. And I think uh, one of the things that McClay Kid said on the podcast, or I think it was a podcast, or maybe it was something else I was listening to, but he he kind of talked about how you know, Doak had the benefit of going second. And I thought that really, really, really shined through in that Bandon Dunes is spectacular. And if you're looking at it as like, you know, this was the first course they did, it's an awesome effort. It's it's great pretty much all the way around. But everything that it does well, I think, Pacific Dunes just amps it up. Just kinda amps it up and, mm-hmm. and does throughout. Whereas I thought that there were pockets of Bandon Dunes or even now I'm like struggling to remember, you know, three or four of the holes. Um which but like, four, like didn't happen. On like the other four, courses. five, and six is one of the best. Do you think the stretches. conditions played into that at all? No, I, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think because I'm trying to think like Pacific Dunes in that 35 to 40 mile per hour wind could have gotten <laughs> could have got really ugly. almost over the top. Yeah. No, totally. And I agree. think, uh, and I haven't played Pacific Dunes in that conditions, but I, I almost think Bandon is better suited maybe for that type of wind. Yeah, at least I for think my that's game. True. Totally yeah. agree. So yeah, you talked about rankings going into this. I kind of thought. I kind of, you know, everyone that ever said, you know, Bandon Trails was my favorite course at Band, at Bandon Dunes. I kind of rolled my eyes out like, okay, like, cool, trendy. I now see, it, it, I ne- will never criticize anyone's rankings. If you like Bandon Trails first, if you like Old McDonald first, or whatever your order is, it can be the complete opposite of mine. I could be like, yeah, I could see that. Like, yeah, totally. if I go back, I go back the next time, I might change my order around. I might change my favorites around. But kind of like you said, loving your favorite children, it's... I don't know. They're all truly amazing, and you hate to even put a course fourth, but that was blasphemous to call Bannon fourth, whatever you just said. <laughs> Can we talk about 12 at Bannon Dunes? That was, I think, the hole that kind of it, like, like, screwed, like, screwed me up for a while. I was like pretty shook after we played that one. I just was so uncomfortable so on the tee in like, such a cool way. I don't kind know. Kind of back down to the ocean, and there's a bunker front, front right. Front left. Front left. Or front left. It's a little kind of Redani, a little bit. A but, little, yeah. yeah. And it's in the wind. Just a little pot bunker. It's, it's like a little road hole. in the middle. It's like a road yeah. hole bunker, and it defines the entire hole. Like, if it wasn't there, it would be the <laughs> Which dumbest so. little par three. Didn't you say a... something like, yeah, the bunker's not even in play or something, and then you hit it directly, <laughs> directly into it? <laughs> Most people don't realize, you know, where that bunker then, is. And it's all hit it right in the you middle. You know, DJ's like, well, sink. man, like, I should just, like, hit a 40% five iron down to this I was so spot. in my own head playing. What was the wind was coming straight in, right? Yeah. Basically like. So the first time? Yeah. It was so off the right. It was hard off the oh, right that's with the right yeah, yeah. pin. Yeah. Kind of a kidney shaped green almost. Yeah. A little little slanted kidney shaped green. Right at the ocean. Just Yeah. It, Big kind of dune to the right of the green. Short right protecting and, that and, side. And DJ's just lost in the sauce. I was so, so lost. Everyone's like, what do you do? Just hit it. You know, I'm like, well, I just. My ball's going to get beat up in that wind. I'm going to be 30 yards left. I don't know. I'm like, you know what? I think the really smart – it was almost like the like the glowing brain meme a little bit when I finally hit, you know, like I think the play is to just chip a five iron and like 10 hop it up onto the green, which 
was uh, not. Didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> no footage is available of that shot, but it and did not I, and, go well. And then I think right after that, you know, like 14 was directly into the wind, right? And like, you know, we're hitting. That's 15, the part 15, three. Or 15. 15. Yeah. So that's, and we're hitting, you know, 140 yard four irons and three woods. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's kind of what I loved about Bannon was it was clear into, into my, in, you know, the way I interpreted it was, you know, you start with three inland holes and then you get introduced to the ocean, right? You get the going right at it with four. You're playing alongside it with five, alongside it with six. You come back inland for nine through ele- or for seven through eleven. You get hit with it again at twelve, and then you come back out thirteen, fourteen, and then you get it again fifteen, sixteen, and essentially seventeen. So it's kind of spaced out. There's not like a pebble beach stretch of four through ten, and then you go inland and don't really see it for a while. I thought that it was probably. I would imagine the way they wanted to do it was it's not like we don't want a front nine and a back nine here. We want it to flow. We wanted you to see it, hear it and, and experience it kind of throughout the round rather than, you know, just go a one long stretch alongside of it. And I like that a lot. I think the best thing that I did and, and you said it was yardages were meaningless that, that first round. And, and the best thing I did was swallow my pride, you know, into the wind, a buck 50, buck 55. I wasn't going to try to muscle. And I, I grabbed hybrid and it was like, this gives me the best chance to get it as close as I can. And getting to play that type of golf, uh, admittedly, I'm less than an elite ball striker, but it, it kind of is like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you know, you, you just truly you, you try to get it to a decent spot and then get it in the hole. And, and that was really, really fun. How would you describe your ball striking? Um, you know, it comes and goes. I, I made a lot of sloppy fives, uh, which, you know, hey, it happens. <laughs> Some of my favorite shots Probably are when apathetic would be the best way I'd describe my ball striking. <laughs> you walk up to the, to a shot and you're like, okay, you get the yardage. Like, all right, this is probably a seven iron. And by the time you hit it, you've like settled on four iron because you yeah. keep like trying to picture your shot and you're like, no, it needs to be lower than that. It needs to be lower than that. And then you're just like, all right, yeah. forget the yardage. Let's just get this under the wind, get it running, rolling up there. So, which I feel like is Link's golf, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, the, the, and we'll get to it, but that was kind of the biggest takeaway to me was like, man, it's a fun way to play. And so, yeah, we talked about 15th hole. I think some I hit like four iron from 150 in that, and then we turned around and played 16. It was only about 300 yards from the tees we were playing, and some of us hit irons like over the green. Like it's just complete opposite wind. You couldn't stop the ball. I, and it's yeah. that's just a, a, a quintessential, the most fun style of golf you can play. I thought the par fives on Bandon Dunes were really fun. I thought every too. par five on the property was phenomenal. <laughs> Like that, we Sonic kept saying that to each other the whole time. It was like every par five was just so good. And we kind of talked like the one, and in Australia, I thought the, if we were to make a criticism, the par fives were just a bit weak overall. Yeah. I think for that whole trip, this was like the opposite. And the, we thought the par threes were stellar yeah. in Australia. The, the fives here are just, yeah, they were they were some of the most fun golf holes to play. Seventeenth hole was really cool. Come back inland with the with the canyon along the right side and that kind of hero carry. Um, and then 18 kind of, and I think in general, all the course on the property, like the first and 18th holes kind of yeah, get hit with a little bit of criticism, yeah. but I think that's more from a logistical standpoint, getting to and from the clubhouse. Well, and there's some good stuff about the clubhouse that he said on the podcast. Too. Right. So initially they had envisioned that the clubhouse would be set where the current 16th green is. And McClay kid was probably the most beautiful, dramatic right. part of the property. And McClay kid was, you know, less than 30 years old and was the least renowned of any of the architects that kind of were brought in to potentially kind of interview for the job and the things that he said, and Mike Kaiser had this affinity for Lynx style golf and the fact that David McClay kid was Scottish and came from this background of understanding Lynx golf. He, he kind of said, 
he bucked the trend in what a lot of people were going to do with the proposal. And he said, no, the clubhouse has got to be set back inland and we got to use this part of the land for the golf course. And that is what stuck with Kaiser the most to make him kind of conclude towards having McClay kid built that first course. And now we have the 16th hole, which is one of the most more unique golf holes I think I've ever seen. I don't know what you would compare that golf hole to. I don't have a, I don't have anything off the top of my mind. Yeah. That's a, I don't know. It's a great question. <laughs> So I think, uh, the other thing about Bandon Dunes is just the the clubhouse there and the the whole that's the center of it all. Yeah, it's kind of the it's like the heartbeat of the property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminded me like sitting out there, like the, that 18th hole kind of reminded me of Royal Birkdale a little bit, where you're like you, you know you're not you're not on the ocean, but you, you can you, know, you get a big whiff of the ocean being up there. But it's you're kind of it's more it, it's just a subtle reminder that it's about the golf. Not necessarily just the views. Yeah. And um, at no point do you look at that clubhouse and you're like, oh, this should have been on the ocean. Like, no, it's awesome. It's in the perfect spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, does that adequately cover Bannon Dunes, we think? I can't think of anything else. All right. Let's Sh- move on. Sh- quick shout I'm sorry. Go ahead. Quick shout out to the, the green complex at 14. I thought very low key, maybe my yeah. favorite out there. A little par four set back against a dune. There's right yeah. at the base of a dune. And that's an in, that's a like a more interesting hole. Like kind of you're getting excited for the seaside holes again. You kind of all right, let's get through this one. And I think I even commented to you, DJ. I was like, eh, this hole's kind of just okay for me. And then we had it in a different wind, and I was like, oh, now I see why these bunkers are here. And this is actually yeah. a lot more interesting this hole than I originally mm-hmm. thought. So and, that, and that's kind of what in in the book McClay Kid talks about how he needed to make the inland holes interesting, right? I mean, people come for the seaside, but you can't let it feel like a lull uh, on the on the holes away from the ocean. I think that that's pretty well accomplished. So next morning, morning round, Pacific Dunes, the number one rated public golf course in the U.S., Tom Doak. Um, I think it was built two years the after. <laughs> the big Dokito. Two years after Bandon was built. Um, and I think kind of similar to Bandon Dunes, it does a great job of giving you the views early and late in the round, right? So you get that, that par, there's a par five, the third that goes out towards the ocean that gives you a great view of the ocean. And then the fourth hole is maybe, maybe the best hole in the entire property. Yet it didn't win in our composite rankings that we'll get, we'll get to some of that, but uh, like a par four set with the ocean along the right. It's every, every photograph, every, you know, postcard that they have at, at, at Pacific. Um, so it plays along there. And then the back nine has 10, 11, and 13 are all the holes right along the ocean. But uh, how did, or just kind of separating it out, how did Pacific Dunes differ from Bandon Dunes in your guys' mind? Just more dramatic, like you said earlier. Yeah, I think it's just bolder. Everything's just amped up, a couple more notches. Like I thought, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's probably the most scenic place I've, I've ever played, scenic course I've ever played. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like four was so hard, seven was so hard. Um, like on seven, if you're out of position at all off the tee, like you you almost have to lay up. Like I made a yeah. triple, I think that first round, and like my caddy was like, "Yeah, dude, like I told you." <laughs> so it's it's a great mix of holes, and especially that back nine is. You know, we talked a bit about the preserve and how it bucks the trend of what a golf course is like. And back nine at Trails, or I'm sorry, at Pacific Dunes is a par 35, four par threes. It starts with two par threes, and there's also three par fives on the back. I think that's my other criticism of Bandon Dunes is it's just 36, 36 par 72, whereas the the other three courses are all par 71s. And aside from aside from the front nine, I think it trails. They all have something funky as far as more par threes or more par fives or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, you know. Whereas I, I like the uniqueness of. But that's where I, that's where I almost think that's kind of like a result of you know when you're going first you have to just yeah, be kind be of standard. yeah you got to be kind of standard yeah 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think that's what it was for me. It was just he saw the stuff that that worked really well at Abandon and just just kind of turned it up to to ten on all of them. The you know? blowout bunkers are bigger. Exactly. The dunes are bigger in a lot of in a lot of circumstances. And there's not like some of the bunkers like Abandon are you know sod faced bunkers that are not very natural. Whereas Pacific Dunes is probably the most natural of any mm-hmm. of the golf courses out there. There's uh, some good stuff. Uh, I don't know if Doak wrote the little passages <laughs> in the in the yardage book, but. There's some really good ones, like, uh, I think it's number seven. Seven, yeah. Um, he says something like... Remarkable natural bunker. Yeah, while, while making your way to the green, notice the natural bunkering on the left side. It is quite remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> Doak wrote his own copy for his, his yardage book. Which guide. is pretty, pretty great. Uh, but I don't know, you just have... I, th- I feel like you have more stretches. I don't know, maybe, maybe, this, maybe this isn't right, but I, I feel like you have more stretches on Pacific Dunes that are just you know cranked up to 10 kind of that where you you can you spend an hour and a half at a time you know playing these incredible golf holes whereas i think bandon it was kind of more flashes of flashes of that stuff like for me i thought i thought nine with the double green such a cool hole Mm -hmm. i think that's something that's like fairly unique i think it's the only double green on the property if i'm remembering right Mm -hmm. Um, and then you play 10, 11 or back to back par threes that are, and by double green, you mean two separate, two greens. separate greens. Yeah. Can, it's a different an upper and a lower. Yeah. yeah. Uppers and downers. <laughs> uh, but then you play 10 and 11, which are these two, uh, not, not similar par threes, but back to back par threes that both play kind of along the ocean. Um, you know, 10 plays at the ocean. It's got two different tees, which makes it like two completely different golf holes. Um, I wandered down to the lower tee the second time we played, and I felt like an idiot because I'm like, God, I'm like, I, I like had too many beers and I, I walked to the wrong hole. Like these guys are going to think I'm an idiot. And I was like, oh, no, wait, never mind. We're good. The tee box is yeah, it's a different tee box. Um, but yeah, you just have, you have those stretches where 12 was, 12 is an awesome par five. 13 is another cool one along the ocean. I think that's the only ball I actually hit uh, oh, over the cliff. Alt world. But I mean, you know, you know what I mean? You have that's. To play those five holes is, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And, and that just, you know, that just sticks with you a little I bit longer. I think I reached the singularity. Yeah. On that. Like, that second round around Pacific Dunes was almost life-changing. Like, I think that was, that was part of why I've struggled to adjust back to, re- like, reality here is because it's sensory overload. Like, like not only does it, um, you know, it, are the views incredible, but you know, you've got the, you got the wind and, like, the the AC kind of kicks on, you know, where you get, you get a little bit of these like cool pockets or you smell cedar in the morning or like the soundtrack is just insane when you get out there on that side of the property. So I think my only, I don't know, I feel like it kind of closes a bit weak. I think besides 17, 17. So I think probably the best for Dan I've ever played, or at least the way it played currently from the, like the, the run up area, the fairway and the way the green rolled, it was the most, like best, well, most well designed or well conditioned Redan or how it's supposed and, to roll out. And I think with the, with the Gorson. Oh yeah. But 18th was, I didn't, again, common theme on some of these courses, the 18th hole is a, a weaker hole, but I thought it's some forgettable holes in that stretch. Again, but we're, we're nitpicking when talking about that. 18 because, was the only hole in Pacific that I really, like, I had a kind of a philosophical problem with. I think 18 might be the only hole on the entire property I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> like. But yeah, I thought, I don't know, 15, 16 are kind of just a little bit forgettable holes. But again, it's such a tour de force for those first 14, 13 holes that... Uh, that I can see it's totally justified. I, I actually didn't like Pacific Dunes the first time I played it like five years ago, but the, it totally redeemed itself. I thought, as weird as it sounds, 
the yellow pins just resonated with me. Like seeing the yellow pins up against that ocean, I thought that was just such a good look. I know that's probably it's, the it's the little things. It's the very little things. That's, but that's something that we'll we'll get into a little segment later of things that are going to stick with you. I will remember those yellow pins. Well, I, I was very curious to see if like like I was so pumped when we went on Australia and played Bar Moogle Dunes, and I felt like it was just kind of overwrought and like too extreme and everything. And I think this was this was such a better representation of Doke. Um, you know, from a seaside perspective, like everything was done with a little bit more restraint, a little bit more nuance. Yeah, I thought that was, I mentioned it earlier, but that's another spot where I literally went 49-35 the second time we played because it was like, you know, once you find your swing and you're, you're kind of going along, it's like if, if, you're, if you're not doing anything stupid and you kind of hit it in the right spots and, mm-hmm. and you're not trying to be too overly aggressive, you can, you can score and you can play pretty well and that's what i think makes like a really fun yeah fun golf course it was surprisingly <laughs> on the front nine i was not doing that yeah it was surprisingly comfortable that was that was my the kind of thing i remember um coming off the the real windy go round of abandoned dunes the next morning very little wind really nice conditions and it was i was almost on autopilot you know hitting the ball decently and you know you just kind of make your way around and it's very comfortable and you get to enjoy the sights i think we'd have a very different take if the wind was blowing 40 when we yeah the Pacific. I, I think sure. it would have been absolute carnage <laughs> I, I felt like i noticed a difference in the way even the ball sounded hitting the greens it was firmer at, yeah, at pacific sure. dunes and i don't know if that's intentional or from a how they handle that from a conditioning standpoint, if that's, in, if, you know, I if think those were the best greens that we played on. The, yeah. Purest greens and, but the hardest. And it was kind of like, we had to get used to run, really running the ball up onto a lot of those greens. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was it, the, the two nines are very different. The back nine is obviously much more gettable. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was, we got to see Pacific dunes in the morning and in the afternoon. And that was kind of, we got so to see the it. afternoon round. We were, we played trails in the morning and we played Pacific in the afternoon and, or is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we uh like it was sunny and you know really nice when we teed off but it was getting kind of hot and the fog the fog rolled in about 7 or 8 holes in and it was the most drastic change in weather on a golf course I've ever seen. And I di- I ditched my long sleeves. I had nothing. And then it was it literally dipped 20 degrees probably in that yeah. time and and yeah, that but that was kind of a, a zen like feeling of playing that course in a different condition, right? Cuz we got we got the perfect sun the day before. Mm-hmm. It was cool to kind of see it yeah. see it in a different light because it's the Bannon experience is not sunny and roses all day every day. I mean, part of the part of the experience is experiencing the different weather. So all right, guys, we're going to cut part one right there as we're halfway through the four golf courses. The second half will be released later this week. Uh, we're going to talk more about what our favorite courses are, how we would split 10 rounds amongst these four courses, what our favorite stretches of holes are on the golf course, as well as kind of filling in uh, anything else we missed up, uh, missed out on in part one. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll check in uh, later this week. Cheers. <laughs> Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 